Welcome to Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories, written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022. Content Warning The Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. a native of the planet of Anturia. These are excerpts from the Anturia Diaries, a series of first-person journal entries that I started with several other inhabitants of the planet collaborating during later times to record what happens when two worlds collide. I am the last native historian of my planet. I am not all that remains of my race, but our extinction is getting close. Great rifts divide Anturia now, but this was not always true. For ages, the planet of Anturia contained over 30 species of sentient beings, with a wide variety of races and sub-races under each species. We all lived in relative harmony for those ages, even through the most primitive of early evolutions. I'm not saying that we did not have disagreements. However, we kept most of the conflicts contained to a tiny population or resolved those conflicts quickly through some compromise or agreement. Even in its earliest days, our culture was one of teamwork and collaboration because, in our earliest days, it was required for survival while we waited on Anturia's evolution to catch up with our own. As I write this, I am a prisoner on my planet. My captors do not know that I can record my thoughts and send them out to a collaborative of rebels on the outside. Before I begin reading my official entries to you, I will briefly summarize how everything began. One day, about 200 years ago, everything changed all those wonderful teamwork and collaborative aspects of our lives. In just a few-minute conversation by an off-worlder. His name was Adamo Fisikio from the planet of Richurka in the solar system next to our own. We did not travel off-world, but we did have a couple of spaceports where off-worlders would come and visit us. The off-worlders mostly brought us items for trade, and none appeared violent in any way. They typically came from planets like our own, where hardships were everywhere. We quickly learned that teamwork and collaboration were also crucial to species survival, not just ours, but everyone's. I digress. Adamo Fisikio arrived in our spaceport, then named Tithio. As many off-worlders do, he requested an audience with the Council of Elders from each of the races on Anturia. I was part of this council. 
Adamo Fisicchio came before us this day and presented a new technology developed on Richerca that he had hoped to trade us in exchange for Galaxian credits. We didn't use Galaxian credits for much because we didn't travel off-world. But because off-worlders traveled to us, we ended up with a bit of a stockpile of them from people trying to pay us for services while staying in our spaceports. All of the off-worlders shared a rumor that Anturia had more Galaxian credits available than any other planet in the nearest ten galaxies. Adamo moved to the front of our council room and swept a low, almost ridiculous bow to us. I wondered if he was mocking us with his gesture. Adamo looked strange in a bright, orange outfit that was shiny, almost plastic in appearance. He wore an excessively tall top hat on his head, with an orange feather in it, and he had finely crafted, even if audaciously colored, yellow leather boots that were laced up past his ankles. Good afternoon, everyone. Today I bring before you an amazing creation, the Porta Sigretta. The Porta Segreta is a technology that will open a new place of resources for Anturians. I have sold this device on several other planets, and those planets have tripled or quadrupled needed resources that are limited or non-existent. He continued, Once this device is engaged, it opens a doorway or a portal to another planet. It is not a planet that you can reach by space travel between solar systems and galaxies of our worlds, but rather a planet that is your equal, or your twin, if you will, in a parallel dimension. This twin planet will have the same atmosphere as yours and contain similar natural resources, including food sources. The other planets that have employed this technology found less evolved sentient beings on those planets that they could use to assist them with their lives both on their own planet and on the twin planet. Adamo paused and looked around for dramatic effect while he let those words settle into our brains. Assist us with our lives? Like a servant? We tried those centuries ago and realized no one thrived in an environment of servitude, even when the masters of servants were kind. He thought he was bringing us something extraordinary with that, but it shows you how little he knew about us. After a moment or two of all of us sitting around with this distasteful notion in our minds, he continued, I know that you all use bauxite, iron, and mica in large quantities much larger than Anturia can produce or sustain long-term. Your parallel planet is called Earth, and it contains large quantities of all three of these resources if you move to an earlier time of this twin planet of yours. Well, now we hit home. Everyone in the council was paying full attention to him and hanging on his every word. And here, I must admit to being guilty along with my fellows. Those three resources were vital to most of our abilities and skills. We used them in everyday life to achieve a quality life that was rewarding and comfortable. This was when we decided to alter our world and that of the one called Earth forever. This is when we failed our races, failed our species, and failed our planet and another innocent planet. 
You can have tons of success, but it only takes one wrong decision to send it all crashing on its head. And we did that 200 years ago today. Naturally, we made a deal with him. We had this monstrous technology known as the Porta Segreta installed on Balea Island six months later. Balea Island used to be undeniably one of the most beautiful islands on our planet. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, our planet was still evolving and was reasonably new in those days. Volcanoes dotted our oceans like sprinkles on a cupcake. One particular eruption over the continent, now named Landorus, created a cataclysmic tsunami that ravished Balea Island and all of its inhabitants. Since the land was already cleared of all plant life and just about everything else, it was a perfect place to have the portal installed. I remember gazing upon the Porta Segreta as our ship approached the island for the first time. The first thing that caught my attention as we neared the island was that I could hear no seabirds. Seabirds were usually around any mainland or islands on our planet, but none were on Balea Island now. An eerie sensation that life should not exist here in any form seemed to hang in the atmosphere like static cling, coating my soul in a shroud of doubts. Visually, the portal was stunning. A work of art, at the very least. It was made of titanium and reached approximately 800 meters in height and was about 400 meters across at the base. The shape was half of an ellipse, and the titanium arc that went up twisted completely around every 25 meters back to the other side. The base was a large wooden platform that was flat on the top with strange runes carved around the edges, and underneath the base was housed the building containing all the wires, computers, and energy supply to make the portal work, as well as the controls. Adamo's people had been training some of our brightest technologists on how to use and maintain the portal, and of course we purchased the standard maintenance package for them to come and service the portal for 25 years. After that time, we would be on our own, but we hoped that all of our people would have training manuals and procedures for all scenarios possible by that time. No one on the ship with me spoke from when the portal on the island came into view to when our boat docked on the newly rebuilt docks of the island. I remember the smell of the fresh wood hitting my nostrils, mixed in with the salty ocean air but the portal gave off no detectable scent on its own. I think I was suspecting to smell something metallic, or maybe something akin to wires melting, but none of that was present. Adamo and his team greeted all of us from the council as we stepped onto the docks, and finally we began to find words. We talked about its marvelous size and the grace and elegance of its appearance. We discussed how good it was to repurpose this island that no one wanted to live on after so much tragedy had befallen it. This portal would give back life to this island. A purpose. A meaningful purpose. Involuntarily, I let out a soft sigh as doubt still gripped my mind. What were we about to do? Was this the right thing? Was this a terrible thing? 
If my brain and my soul could wring hands as I could, I suspect they would have broken bones in their fingers. It was a miracle that I didn't break my fingers that day. Did the others of the council have the same doubts I did? If so, no one spoke up. Not even me. We followed Adamo up to the platform as he began to tell us the principles of how the Porta Segreta worked, and in doing so, I felt we left behind an important piece of our souls. In the months that followed, Adamo and his team stayed with us, and a couple of his company accompanied our away teams as they traveled through the Porta Segreta to Earth for the first times. We met and interacted with the only sentient beings we found on the planet. Humans. They were an interesting lot, and not really developed at all. If found on their parallel world, I could see how other planets with the Porta Segreta installed could take advantage of a subservient race. It was an uncomfortable thought, even after the stories brought back by our teams on how primitive and violent these humans were. Some of us felt sorry for the humans and wanted to educate them in exchange for using their resources. We taught them our language, although the pronunciation of some of the words came out quite differently. Some of the humans revered us as gods because some of our technology and our inherent racial skills were like magic to them. Magic is the term humans use for inexplicable things through known understanding. We rather liked that term, so we also adopted it into our standard language over time. Time on Earth flows like Anturia. The timing of a day length, timing of a season length, timing of a moon shift and change, even though we have two moons to contend with, and they only have one. Our primary moon, Egos, was about the same distance to Anturia as Earth's moon was to Earth. Our second moon, Pell, was so far away from us that its impact on Anturia was barely felt in notice, except for a few times a century when it would rotate into its closest position. During those times, called Stopiotithio, we could not travel via water, as the water tides would be so unpredictable. What might be shallow, usually, may become treacherously deep the next minute, and vice versa. Anyway, the similarities were fantastic. They meant that Earth and Anturia had similar gravitational pulls and flows of time, so being there on Earth didn't interfere with our inner sense of day or night or seasons. None of our biorhythms were disturbed. We did lose a lot of Anturian lives due to the violent nature of humans on Earth, and that was unfortunate. The Council decided unanimously to permit violence, but only in self-defense. We tried not to kill them at all, but we could not just stand there and let them slaughter us. Once we established communication between us and them, there were fewer killings and more positive interactions. We harvested the resources we needed, carrying them to Anturia through the portal. Teams of our people lived in the areas on Earth, teaching those humans that wanted to learn from us, including some of our history and stories, which some of the humans turned into fantastic legends, especially those who thought we were gods. We all had mixed feelings about being treated as gods by humans. Some Anturians enjoyed this a little too much, and I could sense their hubris might be getting out of control. 
others despised it and tried to downplay it to the humans as much as possible. We even had some verbal altercations within the council over this topic, as we disagreed if we should be perpetuating these myths or admonishing them. Everyone was afraid of turning all the humans against us, though, as we wanted the minimal amount of violence possible. Yet we didn't want to give up our precious natural resources that we were stealing from their planet for hours. We kept justifying that we weren't stealing because we were educating and helping the humans evolve. We were giving them the gift of knowledge in exchange for resources. A couple of decades went by in the same fashion, and eventually Adamo's team pulled out once our people were fully trained in the operation and maintenance of the Porto Sigaretta. My first journal entry begins 50 years after Adamo's team left our planet. We were in charge of this Porta Secreta. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 1, The Porta Segreta of the Anturia Diaries prequel stories. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite place or at anturia.org to come back for the next episode. Season 1, Episode 2, The Great Rift, Bryn Chow starts her journal entries detailing the lies of the Council of Elders at that time and a great secret is revealed. Stay tuned. Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast are copyright 2022 by Heather Lynn McMillan. All rights reserved. No part of these stories may be reproduced in any form or by an electronic or mechanical means, including information storage and retrieval systems, without permission in writing from the author. Disclaimer, this is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents either are the product of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, events, or locales is entirely coincidental. Coincidental.